0: This is The Blind Dad's Diaries with Martin Ralph and Nathan Edge. Hello, hello. This is our bumper podcast, episode five, with a bit of an update from Nathan and Emma in regard to where they are up to on their journey, as myself and Sam pretty much hogged episode four with the arrival of baby Leo. We've got some other things to talk about as well, uh, which we did mention in the previous podcast in relation to epidurals and consent forms along with uh, Leo attended his first ophthalmology appointment on Tuesday. So we still have plenty to talk to. We've got to try and squeeze into the next 40 minutes or so. But Nathan, how are you? And is everything going okay? Yours and Emma's end?
1: Yeah, um, all, all is good. Not It won't be as, as much of an in-depth update from from myself this week. So obviously, um, we've only left a week this time. And we've got to this point now where we're basically just waiting for him to arrive. You know, those... I think I mentioned it last week that we had, a, we had a few little warning signs that, you know, it could be coming. You know, the, I, I panicked, didn't I? And go went and packed my, uh, my hospital bag finally. Um, and, uh, you know, so I, I was in panic mode. Emma was, was, was nice and calm, of course, even though it's her going through labor. But um, yeah, obviously they, they were just warning signs. Nothing happened. And actually things have settled down again now. So much to Emma's despair. Cause I think she, she, she's, she wants him to come out now. She's ready for him to arrive. Uh, obviously you've had yours. Friends have had theirs. Uh, so she, she's getting impatient. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, I've got a um, question
0: for you on that one though. Did, did you pack the pombers or did you buy some
1: skips? I'm trying to I, I think I've I've gone for the quavers at the moment, but ooh, ooh. Palm Bears are still in the cupboard downstairs. So I'm trying to I'm I'm obviously this all depends on how long he takes to decide to till he wants to come because it's highly likely that they'll probably be gone by then. So I might have to have a, another emergency shop, you know. So this is the issue with him hanging around. So um uh, oh, hanging around, it's still uh you know, he's not due to the 7th of May, so it's still a while, but um yeah, it's, um, we're, we're ready in that aspect. Um, it's just it's just a waiting game now. But everything else has been absolutely fine. We had a midwife appointment uh, just yesterday. And um, yeah, that was a, a 37, 37 week. Well, it was 36 plus six. Everything's fine. You know, uh, heartbeat. And everything's still completely normal. Movements are normal. It's just a waiting game.
0: And whether that game will uh, <laughs> will come to fruition is, is all is all down to poor uh, Emma and uh, putting up with me <laughs> with everyone around you, as you say, um, <laughs> giving birth and babies appearing. And I suppose it's probably a bit taunting.
1: She seems I don't, I don't know she she seems really sort of um, calm about it, but certainly a lot more so than than I am um you know I, 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 do, I
0: do imagine you kind of as, as a headless chicken
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm terrible I really am um but no she's obviously we we've we've now got sort of the plans in place as as best we can obviously you know, I, I I touched on it last week about we've had the birthing plan and things like that so and even with that she's quite happy to sort of go with the flow so she's hoping for to to, to get the pool when we get there obviously if it's available um if it's not then the backup is to get a room with, with a bath uh, she would like to be sort of in the bath through or, or in the pool through labor but then not when the actual birth comes so that's sort of her only wishes but aside from that when it comes to payment anything and things she's just sort of going to see take it as it as it comes and see what happens so um like i say she's, she's pretty pretty laid back and relaxed in that aspect um you know, we have put plans in place for what we're going to do with the dogs and things like that when that day comes around but it all depends on what date it falls on and and you know where my dad's going You've to be we've got the work. plan
0: a all the way through to plan z yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely so, if this if this then that is
1: <laughs> yeah exactly so um yeah we 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 we're, we're ready we, we're ready anyway um like I, said, I think she's 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 definitely ready she she wants him to to come now
0: Absolutely, uh, and obviously, I think we're we're all uh, sat eagerly awaiting to see how accurate these three um, uh, D scans and models and everything else have been as well.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, that, that actually kind of forgot about that a little bit. So um, yeah, when he when he comes, we'll finally sort of find that out. Let's see if he has really got my nose or or Emma's Emma's got a a flat nose. I've got, I've actually got a bone in there. So, uh, I'll say she <laughs> <hasn't>. <laughs> it's a, it's a discussion we have, uh, many a time. So, uh, we'll, we'll see how that, that all happens, but I wanted
0: to have my nose. Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's, um, obviously it, uh, you know, for those that are, are new to have just tuning into this one uh, and are new to the podcast, uh, he's also on the, the little bit of the smaller side. So he just, he's just, know, not, not as small as what Leo obviously was, but, um, he's just below the, Tenth centile. So, on the last weigh-in he was five pounds four. Um, we're in for another scan on Monday to find out, you know, where he's at on the next sort of stage of the growth scan. So, yeah, obviously, the, the longer, I guess, the, the better, as in the more he'll grow and things like that. But um, yeah, it's it's like I say, it's a, it's a waiting game at the moment. The longer he stays in the oven, the better. Is, uh, <laughs> that's, what it is yeah, yeah. That, that, that's the phrase I was looking for. Yeah, there you go. Um,
0: so as you obviously, obviously talk about pain relief, actually, it's a, it's a great segue into one of the topics we really wanted to cover this week in relation to epidurals and all of that fun stuff. So obviously, I assume all of the pain options have... Not the pain options at all. I did not. It's not torture. <laughs> all the pain relief options have been discussed with Emma, I'm assuming.
1: Yes, yeah.
0: And she's pretty happy to go with the flow,
1: by the sounds of it. Yeah, I mean... Emma's the type of person that she, she could have the, the biggest headache in the world. She won't even take paracetamol. Um, so,
0: trust she's, me, this is going to be one hell of a headache.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. But uh, yeah, she's she's normally sort of quite um, you know, uh, brave's not the word. I don't know if brave brave's the a word, but you know, she's normally quite good. She's got a good pain threshold, so I think she's going to try and see how far she can get. You know without uh pain relief and things like that and and like she's just going to take it as it as it comes i
0: suppose the 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 fair thing to say here is she's not she's not a male
1: (laughs) oh she's absolutely the opposite of me yeah when it comes to pain i'm 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 terrible with pain and cold you know i hate cold weather and you know going out walking the dogs i'll be there moaning about it all the time She's not bothered. Whereas, uh, you know, and, and the same with pain. Um, I get scratched and I'm like, Jesus, my arm's going to drop off. So, uh, yes, we're basically the opposite, so. Uh, so
0: there. So, so already she's, she's winning at life when it comes to <laughs>
1: pain. I mean, it's not very hard. I, I set the bar very low, to be fair. But yes.
0: oh. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to destroy myself on the internet and, set, and and probably make the admission that you did. But I probably agree. I think Sam Beals are paying better than I do. However, however, completely on a tangent, um, as some people may or may not be aware, if you're an avid listener to our podcast, and if you're not, why not? Um, I am having my eye removed, my left eye removed on the 13th of May. You know, fun. But as part of the diagnosis test, I had to have a needle through my eye, not under general anaesthetic or local or anything. And Sam witnessed that. And genuinely, we have both agreed that labor and having a needle through the eye whilst awake with no pain relief are probably quite as going to be the closest you're ever going to get to, to, to the similar pain thresholds of labor. Um, I've not had the conversation since she's had labor. to see she still agrees. Um, <laughs> but that was definitely the conversation. That was the stance we were on uh, about four weeks ago. So
1: <laughs> uh, no, yeah, no, thank you. i I would not be uh, <laughs> I would not be having that. I mean, i've had I've had a bit of eye pain, eye pain in the past, and uh, you know that that discussion has a couple of whether I'd have to maybe have have one removed at some point but if that's part of the, the the standard protocol yeah i'll keep it in there it's fine
0: yeah i mean you know you know you know the old saying of oh I, I've, I've missed you like a hole in the head well I'm, i am gonna i'm gonna like petition to change that now i've missed you like a needle in the eye <laughs>
1: <laughs> jeez oh what? yeah I, I, I wouldn't be up in that i'd be like doc get the unique system and, and get me a sweep. i'm not being awake through this Get me the drugs, Doc.
0: Um, So, yeah, talking about pain relief, going back to the whole point of this conversation was not about us, actually. Uh, Go figure, but we've made it about us.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's blind dad's diaries, you know. Yeah. We'll we'll say we'll add a little bit. Yeah. We've got to to give give us some of their time. Yeah. Um, So, yeah,
0: in terms of pain relief, Sam was very adamant from the outset that she was, and I will quote her, all the drugs. I want all the drugs. Now, We actually had an appointment with the lead anesthetist for maternity about about two months ago, maybe three months ago now, as they were discussing the birth plan, what the pain relief might look like. But as Sam is slightly asthmatic, uh, Sam also is slightly allergic to codeine, I think I might be wrong on that. I think it's codeine that actually, actually restricted a lot of the pain relief that Sam could actually get. So she, the, they weren't keen on giving a diamorph in the leg. They weren't sh- that sure about gas and air. So as in, when they say weren't sure about gas and air, Sam wasn't sure about gas and air because she's already had it when she had broken her ankle. So she doesn't think, it. well, she didn't think it worked. It came to fruition. It didn't really work at all. If anything, it made her actually probably a bit more angry. Um, well, let's not get into that one. Uh, but she did opt for the epidural. And with with the epidural is the process is is not straightforward genuinely. I think I had about ten people explain it to us before we even got to hospital to talk about epidurals, and I don't think anyone sells it. Correctly to what it actually is, I think everyone sells like the relief it gives, but doesn't tell you the process and the involvement that really goes into it. So, for an epidural to to take place, the anesthetist, especially particularly with our trust, the anesthetist, still regardless if you've agreed to it prior in other in other appointments or whatever it makes no difference they still have to go through all the legal requirements all of the risk requirements all of the guidance policies procedures everything and genuinely that took about 40 minutes so on that note it's a bit of a huh we've already discussed all this why have we got to do this again but our issue genuinely was not about the time it took because actually there was an emergency that had gone into theatre and the anaesthetist was needed for that. And you know, we're not complaining about that or anything like that in the slightest. It's needs must. We did wait two hours to finally get uh, the epidural for Sam and get the anaesthetist actually in the room. But one of the problems that came from this, and he explained it to us why he actually was late. So after he'd been into theatre and dealt with the emergency he came out of theatre and he went straight to speak to his lead practitioners and a few other people because actually with Sam being obviously registered blind, she couldn't consent to the form correctly. And he was just advised to crack on, just sign the form, follow process and procedure. So he's having to literally read the statement word for word to Sam while she is literally in pain. I literally mean in between contractions. She is literally screaming and trying to take contractions as they come whilst this anaesthetist is stood there with a clipboard going through all the checklist and having to stop every time a contraction appeared or a bit of pain appeared because obviously there was there was no sense to be taken and one of the arguments slash discussions about that was it makes no difference actually if you're going to be stood there telling me anything i'm still going to agree to it when i'm at that level of pain threshold and it becomes a real ethical i think an ethical dilemma as to we've already spoke about it she's already agreed to it but they still got to consent to it there and then in the moment it's like uh but then obviously with sam being registered blind it has highlighted the whole oh dear like actually she can't even regardless of if any woman could read it because i don't think they could in that state i'm going to hold my hands up to that you know i don't think any woman would be able to read that form to, to draw in that pain to to sign it but she still had to sign the document she still had to say she'd read the document and understood everything everything that had been read to her. And I think it raises so many questions as to ethical morality and pain and even just human nature of I was in tears because I was just seeing her in pain. And as the birth partner, what the hell can you do? There is nothing you can do in that situation to try and stop that pain. I literally had Sam wrapped around my neck at one literally at one point while she was vomiting over me and she's going to love me for bringing this up. Um, but saying, please, please make it stop. And what am I meant to do? There's nothing you can do as, as the birth partner in that situation. You are, you know, for want of a better phrase, you are screwed. And there is nothing you can do other than let your heart bleed a little bit because actually your, your partner, the one of the people you love most dearly on the planet is, is, is in agony and there is physically nothing you can do she was literally the point of asking to be knocked out. Like that, that that was the level it had got to. And at that stage, what I can say is once the signatures was done, the anesthetist moved on pretty quickly, but then the process still was still quite slow because um, obviously I'm not sure if anyone's aware, so I'll, I will talk through it, but they've got to sanitize the whole room because they've got to treat it almost like an operating theater because they're making a wound and, a, a you know, and a cut to the skin they are they put cover the patient in all of the blue gubbins to make sure that there's no um risk of infection, um and they stick that over the back uh, to make sure that there's nothing that they can get near the tap. So literally, they 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 first of all inject the back to, so they can get the line in, then they put the tap in the back, <laughs> then they clean it and then they inject as well, and that, that, then that's when the um actual medication can be given of the epidural. So that process alone was probably about another half an hour just in of it, just in of itself. And that, that's obviously nothing against the That's just the process. But none of this was explained prior. Like it was explained, but it, the reality didn't really hit home about how long it could really take. Like it was explained like, Oh, it will be this, it will be that, but you don't get the time commitment and, and the time you, you can't realistically see the, the time this will take until you're in the moment. And it took a very long time to the point where Sam had become 10 centimeters and Leo had already made it into the canal and the epidural was only just started kicking in. And it was pointless by that point, because I don't know, again, anyone that doesn't know the epidural was only really effective from, you know, from the waist up type of thing. So Actually, once he got into the canal, it was pointless. And so she'd actually theoretically gone through all of that without any pain relief for the two hours we were waiting for an anaesthetist and stuff. And I think if anything, it served as a distraction. So it still helped, but I think there was just too many things that slowed it down. I think there's too many pitfalls for accessibility. And you know, as some of people listeners that may know me, I am a massive advocate when it comes to accessibility and inclusion, and especially when it comes to technology but at the same time as when you're dealing with a very written process, where do do you go with that? And how do we make that inclusive and accessible and actually make sure that They know what they're agreeing to, because I think to quote Sam, it was you will sign anything to get that pain relief. You don't care if you've got to empty your bank account or it doesn't matter. You you will do anything to get that pain relief in the moment. So ethically, is that even correct? So we are still actually in conversation. Uh, The anephanatist did come and give us a debrief after the after the event. And he explained his concerns and why he took his time and they want to rectify it. They want to get it right. And he is prepared to pull a report slash paper together. It's something he wants to submit to the medical journal. There's a few things that he actually wants to do, and we we are planning on. So as uh, blind since birth, BSB site support, we are planning on pulling our trustees together to discuss this as well as a way forward and how can we try and influence how this can change for for the future uh, and for the better, you know, for for ethically I think that is the whole as the key thing around all of this is how do we make it ethically correct and as human as possible to make sure that someone can get the pain relief they need at the appropriate time and also with the right agreements and everything else involved so it's quite interesting to to have all those conversations with the anaesthetist and explaining the legal procedures behind all of it it was really quite interesting and medical medical things are not something I I normally involve myself with too much but it has been really interesting to to hear all of the ethical legal uh, stuff that, and I'm literally going to use the word stuff because I think we spent we spent about half an hour with the, an ethnotist on the debrief, but it's something they do want to change. But how do they change it? Because there is ethical boundaries they have to stick to as well and there's the code of conducts and oaths and all that fun stuff they've got to stick to as well so there there is a lot of interesting stuff and so by no means is the road to epigorals over because well, there's still a lot of work to go on behind the scenes and what what that may look like we, we don't know but it definitely we'll need a much much deeper conversation now i know i've just literally spat a load of information at everyone including nathan but um i'm, I'm going to open the floor for nathan if you've you got any any comment or, or question to, to that to so we can try and move the topics on a little
1: bit no, i mean um first of all <laughs> i think i said this sort of towards the end of the the last pod but well massive well done to to you and obviously to <laughs> more importantly to sam i think for getting through that you know I think when we started this podcast uh, early on we, we said that we, we hope to to share different stories and things like that and um you know hopefully this doesn't scare people too much you know some 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 verse will go absolutely fine but it's also a reason why it's that sometimes things can get complicated um and with this situation like like you said with the whole signing the form and going through it all there and then put aside the, the visual impairment for, for a moment and just anybody, you know, in that situation having to read something and, and agree to something when you're in that position of uh, being in pain of things, you know, I think you're, you're, you're absolutely spot on. Anybody's going to sign it, aren't they? So um, then you throw in the the, the, the aspect of not actually physically being able to read it and someone having to, to read that through you, which, you know, from the point of view, he did what he had to do. That's, that's his job, you know, so, you understand that, but it doesn't make logical sense, does it? When that could have been something, when it's already been pre-agreed, you think, you know, common sense would say that that could, should just be something that's signed in advanced and, and pre-approved, you know? So it's, um, I'm surprised this hasn't happened already or, or not been, uh, you know, dealt with or approached already, or if it, if it has, I'm surprised nothing's changed about it. So at least, um, you know you're you're on it. <laughs> you know, yeah. hopefully something. A- can
0: apparently, be done. it's different at every trust level, and there's no national way forward on it. Now, one of the things that we were also told about that is that the trust that currently we were using, which was um, which was Saint Helen's Whiston, um, what they were saying was that that policy is twenty years old. The, some other ones that do use the policy are the likes of Southampton. I think, I'm think I literally quoting what he said. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. So we, we won't go word for word, but there are some trusts that are still using the same policy. And there are some trusts that don't publicize the policy. So we genuinely don't know what, air, you know, what, how air, different areas will treat this road, you know, this road uh, and, and this customer journey almost, because it is a customer journey, <laughs> but whether you like it or not, it's a customer journey. Um, and it's interesting to to see that actually there's there's no standardisation to it nationally, which is quite quite interesting.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I say hopefully something can be at least it's being looked at now. Um, yeah. You know, so there's as as um, as much as obviously Sam would rather have not gone through that. Yeah, you know, that at least it's highlighted the the issue, and hopefully that, that will be addressed. Definitely. Now.
0: Yeah, no, and I think, you know, absolutely, it's highlighted the, the need for it. And it's quite interesting, you know, to, to, to see how what I genuinely loved. And then I will, you know, I will quote this to the, to the day I die. What I genuinely loved about the anethnotist was actually he saw there was the issue and he wanted to try and make sure it was correct and yeah. or rectify it. He was actually, you know, really open about wanting to change this and recognizing and how wrong it was. And, you know, all it takes is that one, as we always say, you know, the the smallest changes for visual impairment, sight loss, disability, the smallest changes always make the biggest differences, but the smallest changes always start from one person. And that's, that's the crucial thing to remember, regardless where you are on a totem pole or hierarchy, is that change can be as simple as one person realizing something isn't right. Yep. and you know he realized that and i I, applaud, I implore him for for recognizing that and trying to make make good with with the experience that that we had
1: yeah absolutely that that's uh that's what you need isn't it i think if uh, first of all uh, for the for the public to recognize whether it's by yourselves obviously who's had that issue uh, but even better so by the ones that are more able to actually make something happen because obviously um you know if he didn't see it as an issue or anything like that, then your job to try and make that change would have been would have been ten times harder. So having him on board, you know, is is certainly going to help that process. So absolutely, absolutely. It's something to um, applaud on, on his part,
0: one hundred percent. And and just conscious of time, really want to hit the other piece, but this this topic will not end, and I feel like we'll we'll, we'll have some more updates as as the months go on about this. Um, but the only other update for, to finish up with is if anyone is aware or not aware, Leo, um, so myself and Sam's child, uh, when he was born, he was born with some sight issues. So we were already kind of aware of this from scans, and we we did discuss this that there was a reflection picked up on the ultrasounds at 20 weeks, at and every other week that we then had growth scans because we we actually literally having scans every two weeks. So it was picked up. Um, quite early on so we've got genetics involved we've got um all sorts of people involved to try and figure out what it was where it's come from etc but since he since leo has arrived obviously it was the whole conversation of We well we won't know till he's here and he's here now um and we had the appointment on tuesday so for starters as a then he was a 18 day old baby and he was putting up with um drops in the eye stingy drops in the eye and literally no no pun intended not even batting an eyelid um to make sure that his eyes were ready to go and be seen by the consultant and when he went in again brilliant absolutely spot on in terms of because he did an ultrasound of his eyes so obviously a bit of kit and jelly all over his eyes to try and see at the back of them um, torches, rulers, you name it. There was a few implements involved in in measuring and looking at his eyes. So as it stands, um, we are looking at him having quite dense cataracts in both eyes, so bilateral and congenital cataracts. Um, also with that, There appears to be some small eye, so which is micro ophthalmia, if I remember that rightly. Any ophthalmologist out there that would listen to this or why eyes better than me, I apologise if I've completely butchered that. Um, But, yeah, so it looks like he's actually got a culmination of mine and Sam's conditions because Sam was cataracts, um, but my condition is a complete mixed bag um, of sclerocornea, small eye, nystagmus, coloboma, stigmatism, I'm sure I'm missing something. Um, uh, So we're we're quite interested to see how it goes. But for those people that may not be aware, coloboma can also bring on cataracts as well. So it'll be quite interesting to see once they are removed, once we can have a better look at the eye as well and get full measurements of everything, what we're looking at. And as far as a a three-week-old baby is concerned, uh, they need to do the uh, procedure generally between six to 10 weeks um if they do it any earlier they risk bringing on glaucoma because of playing with the eyes and the pressure and things like that they do it any later there's risk to lazy eye worsening deterioration from from the cataracts things like that so there's there's a few things to bear in mind so they really want to do it between um six and ten weeks um obviously that's i'm having my eye eye operation in a matter of two weeks so we we really fall into that territory with each other that we're probably going to be you know it would make more sense for us to share a hospital room together (laughs) and and recover together um but in terms of actually you know next steps you know we've got to consider scarring you know as as i'm sure you know you might be aware is that with any eye operation especially if you're a baby is the body's natural ability to produce scarring and protect itself and try and protect wounds is that scarring can make vision worse because obviously the scarring can be bigger than it needs to be so the follow-up procedures needed to cut away the scarring down the road and obviously he will be closely monitored just for life when it comes to eyes so as it stands he's got off a little he's got off you know lighter than he could have done it's still not an ideal situation um as we have still got to deal with the cataracts small eye can bring its own problems there's potential of nystagmus because find me a visually impaired person that doesn't have nystagmus i always always challenge people to do that and you know five times out of ten you can you know most most of us have got nystagmus um so there's there's plenty there's plenty the wobbly eyes as, as it's also referred to um, so there's plenty to go down this road, but as it, as it stands, um, we are documenting it as well. So we will produce some f- follow-up materials because there actually isn't a lot available for childhood cataracts in terms of resources. So as BSB site support, we will document everything that we go through with Leo and make sure it's a very open, transparent document, video, whatever we do, all the resources will be open to, to see that journey. And in terms of that journey, you know, it it has already started. I literally took some videos during the hospital, you know, to show the ultrasound, just just to prove it's not invasive. The most invasive thing was probably the ruler trying to measure his eye. It was quite primitive. Um, But again, these are some things that some people might not be aware of when it comes to childhood cataracts. So we will pull all that information together and make sure it's available um, as this journey progresses. So yeah, lots to learn, lots to continue with. And I think, we've we've ran over our time again we're getting good at this um so providing nathan emma doesn't give birth next week (laughs) and and little little one continues to grow we should be able to publish um another podcast for next weekend which will bring us roughly to the 30th of April slash the 1st of May territory. So hopefully we should be able to get another podcast out. But if it's delayed, it's simply because, uh, well, not simply, because there's no simple about this, uh, Emma has potentially gone into labour. So I I think we've got... Again, we're gonna have plenty to talk about as things go on, and we need to make sure you got them pombas and quavers sorted. You know, important to, stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, You know, that's that's all that matters is make sure dad's fed, right? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think there's, there's there's lots there's lots of good information that has been hidden in this podcast, and lots of useful stuff. So if you are listening to this, and there's only a segment of it that you might might be think might be useful to a friend or a colleague, share it with them. But just you know, give them give them a timestamp of where to jump to. You know, the more listeners that we can get for the podcast the better it will be to get this information disseminated and genuinely we've got a lot of quality stories to share and as time goes on we've still got nappy changing stories to share we still got we still got to talk about sam being soaked by leo's we two days ago i've still we still got to talk about all this basic stuff so uh, <laughs> It's great when, when when a when a baby boy is born because they've 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 got a little hose attached to themselves. So. Oh, I'm so
1: excited. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh... yeah. You know, oh. this, this this is the real nitty-gritty of blind parenting. Like you don't even know if they're gonna wee at you.
1: <laughs> I mean I no think no it's problem if you're not blind, but I think when you are blind it makes it ten <laughs> times worse. That's that's the issue.
0: Like, oh, what was that? Oh, <laughs>
1: So there is plenty to talk about and get through,
0: um, but yeah, I- I'll probably finish there. Is there anything you want to add? That
1: no, I'm, all, I'm, all I can think now is I'm just picturing that. Um, so yeah, thanks for that <laughs> for, for that image. Um, maybe
0: maybe practice by you know running your tap and like putting your thumb under
1: it. <laughs> that doesn't even sound like anything near practice to be honest. <laughs> yeah, cause... it won't be realistic, will it? Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> in all honesty that might give you better results <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I mean uh, on that note you know um, we've, we've covered a lot of uh, a lot of the serious stuff today but um, I yeah. certainly anticipate in, in future pod- podcasts to come um, you know hopefully you know, fingers crossed won't be all as it's serious important stuff obviously we'll cover that but we'll we'll get to some of the lighthearted stuff as well
0: yeah it's very important that we make sure we have we have a balanced uh, podcast but it's also it's also imperative that we are very transparent about some of the the, the more serious and potentially a little bit more negative stuff at, at the same time as yeah. being yeah. open and honest and funny about the lighthearted stuff you know Absolutely. um Cool. On that note, we will call it a day. Um, it has been it has been a genuinely fun podcast. It's been great chatting with Nathan. As ever, The Blind Dad Diaries is supported by BSB Sight Loss Support and Services, a working name of Blind Since Birth UK, a registered charity within England and Wales. If you want to reach out to myself or Nathan or ask any questions about the podcast, please email team at bsbsightsupport.org. Dot UK, or you can find us on socials at BSB site support. This is The Blind Dad Diaries with Martin Ralph and Nathan Edge.